I'm Matt Hudgens, and he's Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? Great, Matt. It looks like I'm warmer than you. Yes, I would uh, uh, bear to say that's probably always the case. <laughs> could be. We got a little breeze. It's like sunny and nice, but it's a little cold, so I got a little vest on. What is it, like 80 down there or something? Yeah, 80, even though I'm in long sleeves. I had some meetings, so. Well, you have air conditioning, too. <laughs> yes. All right, episode 122, Overcoming Adversity as an Entrepreneur. Overcoming Adversity as an Entrepreneur. We get this all the time. There are different versions of that, and um, so that would be a good conversation to kind of chat with. Yeah, if you're going to be, if you're an entrepreneur, if you don't have the ability to overcome adversity, you're headed for a disaster. So it's something you, it's something, you, it's not just entrepreneurs either. It's athletes. It's, um, you know, I mean, you can, you can think of all the great successes in sports and they've all got a story of overcoming great adversity. I think that's a, it's a trait. Certainly. I think that's great. I mean, we were, you know, uh, watching one of the uh, 30 for 30s, you know, Michael Jordan, right, didn't make whatever, seventh, I mean, a 10th grade basketball or something, right? And he used that as a motivation. And I guess Jordan was actually famous for using, for creating obstacles to get him motivated, right? So, so he would uh, make stuff up for, to get him to be create adversity that he could overcome. Like he would uh, make up uh, uh, that somebody said something bad about him and that would get him pumped up you know, to play harder, to play better, to practice harder. Um, you know, sometimes you have to do that. You have to put things uh, in your way to make it, uh, like if your vision is big enough, you'll, you'll do the things it takes. Like if you walk up to the urinal and you see a quarter and you're like, for a quarter, no. But you grab another quarter and you say, for 50 cents, hell yeah. And so <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, it is terrible. But th that is the point. Adversity, when you face adversity, um, sometimes you can put obstacles in your way that – when your goal is big enough, it makes you better, especially in athletics. Um, when I was running a lot, I can remember when I was about to do the marathon, um, I decided I'd run 10 miles because I was going, doing a 15K, which is over nine, and I ran 10 miles, and that was really, really mentally tough. But then, like you said, well, if you've already done 10, you're going to do the, the race, no problem. That was putting an obstacle in my way, creating adversity to make sure that I could hit my goal. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, related but unrelated, there was just an article this weekend. Uh, Stuart Sink won the golf event down at Hilton Head, and he was talking about overcoming adversity by having a system in place, right? So he and his son, his son is his caddy. I don't know how long his son has been his caddy. And in order to overcome adversity, like in the heat of the moment, making decisions, they had made all the decisions in advance of the round, and they kind of have a red light, green light, yellow light kind of uh, what we can go for for the fairways and what we could go for on the greens. And there, that way he said, the decision is taken away from us, right? So we're going to hit off the tee, you know, whatever we're supposed to hit off this iron, this hole that gives it, we had already predetermined. And then wherever it ends up, and then wherever the flag is, it's going to determine if it's, you know, green, red, or yellow. And then we're just going to, if it's yellow, then, then we're aiming here. If it's green, we're, we're aiming right at the flag. And if it's red, we're aiming to the fattest part of the green. So we took out the adversity, uh, difficulty in making decisions under duress. I mean, it's stressful when you're trying to win a golf tournament because he had a plan in place in advance. We, That's so perfect, man. I mean, I, I guarantee, I'd say I guarantee you. I bet you do that with your financial clients. Look, when we saying, run into these uh, these adversities, this is the plan. So right. 
so the plan is to plan for adversity in the yeah. beginning and have a plan of, okay, so first, if we're going to have a plan, you got to start with what's the end goal. I mean, you got to start there. What's the goal? But yes. then you create this plan, plan for adversity, and then what's the plan under duress? That's that's what you yeah, just exactly. said. And, and the plan can be modified or alternated, right? But we don't necessarily alternate it. So I always use this on the financial advisory side, which is, you know, uh, you know, Plan A, you get from here to there, you know, in retirement for financial advisors. And then Warren Buffett's really famous. He says, you know, the, the point is to put a plan together and stick to it through time. It's the sticking to it that's the hard part. Yeah. Warren yeah. Buffett is famous for saying that. I use that line all the time. Sticking to it is the hard part. And, and what that means is we're not making decisions under duress, the stressful when the markets are down, stressful when when you're in your business and you're going through COVID because you already had a plan in place for, for kind of your what ifs. Not all of them, but but for some of them, right? And then that plan could always be uh, ad adapted and modified, right? Because we've always talked about that staying out of the gap that uh, Dan Sullivan, where we're measuring how we've far we've come versus where we're going to get to. And so your plan can modify, but you don't modify it because of the circumstances, right? You don't change the plan because the market's down. You don't change the plan because X, Y, Z. You change the plan because your goals have changed. Your end goal has changed. You're, I realize that I don't want to service these kind of people. I want to service these type people. That's when you change the plan. You don't change the plan just because we had a bump in the road. So uh, I was listening to uh, uh, Lee Cockerell, who was a, a former CEO of uh, Disney. And he was talking about how um, they, for years, like he, he really operated a tight ship. And he got to where uh, they had this big nest egg. And, and the, the investors kept you know, asking, why do we need this big nest egg? He said, because a disaster to our company could happen, natural disaster with a hurricane. And everybody's like, well, you're in Orlando. It's not a big problem. And then sure enough, I think it was Hurricane Gordon did $400 million of damage. And because he had a plan in place in advance, talk about adversity. First of all, you're shut down. The damage was extensive, but they had the cash on hand to fix everything. When you're Disney, you don't call your insurance company for $400 million. I mean, I, that may sound crazy, but um, they had a plan in place in advance. And, and that plan was implemented, was the words that you just talked about Buffett and Lee Cockrell. Again, perfect example of um, how to overcome adversity. Well, it helps to plan for it in advance and then follow your plan. So when it hits you, you've got a red light, a green light, or a yellow light, as you, as you said, what uh, Stuart's saying. Yeah, well, and it's, we've talked about adversity in, in before. I'm gonna pull up our stats again. I think we just used this recently that talked about, um, even when you make sales, that, that when I'm pulling 80% of sales require five follow-up calls, right? So uh, I've got uh, two daughters that are uh, freshmen and sophomore. They're looking for summer jobs. I've got a friend of theirs who I'm trying to help you know, get an internship and that type of stuff and trying to explain to these kids that it's, it's the follow-up that matters, right? That, that these are busy people you're trying to get in touch with, right? That they are busy professionals that have jobs and lives and, and, and you know, you're not really on their radar, right? So you might have to follow up five times, six times to get that appointment, to get that interview, to get, again, they're looking for internships this summer, right? And the stats are, is that, 44% of people give up after the first no, and 22 give up after the second, and 14 after the third, 
and 12 after the four. So 92% of people have given up before you even get to the fifth opportunity, right? So talk about overcoming adversity. I was uh, on, this relates to, I was on a call yesterday with, I wish I could remember the basketball player's name. He played college hoops. Uh, he trains other college uh, athletes and he also has a whole kids training he talks about overcoming adversity in the sense of um, it might not look the way you thought it was going to look, right? And so um, you thought getting the internship, I'm using the internship because I was talking to my you know, kids and, their, and one of their friends, that it may not be the internship you thought it was going to be, but it's an internship, right? And, and uh, he used example for himself was professional basketball. He wanted to go play professional basketball NBA. That didn't happen. So then he was thinking, well, I want to be – uh, apparently, uh, Italy, Italian Basketball League is the next best league, I guess, worldwide. And, and then that didn't pan out. So then he came back to the States and he was looking for, I guess there's some semi-private basketball teams or whatever, semi-whatever. And semi-pro is what I'm trying to say. Up in the Northeast, Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey, up in there. And he got a trial for one of those. It's really going great. And the owner comes up and says, wow, I really love you, kid, but I've already got my team. You know, uh, you should go, uh, but I do know somebody who's looking, you should go to, I think it was like uh, you know, the New Jersey Generals or something like that. And he's like, who the heck are they? I don't know anything about them or whatever. And he goes home and Googles them, and it is the uh, Globe, uh, the Globetrotters losing team. Every week, remember the, Go the Harlem <laughs> Globetrotters play? I think it's the New Jersey Generals or something like that. But they lose every week. And so he called the guy back and said, I don't want to lose every week. Uh, um, so he told him, no, he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so then he calls his dad and he's like, dad, you know, I got offered this crap, you know, play for the New Jersey generals. And they're the, you know, the butt of all the jokes for the Harlem Grove trotters. And they lose every week. And his dad's question was, well, I thought you told me you wanted to play pro basketball, son. Yeah. But that's, it doesn't look like what you wanted it to look like. So moral of the story, he goes, calls the guy back and he takes the job as the uh, generals. He works on, works his butt off for a year on the losing team. And then a year later, the owner of the Harlem Globetrotters says, look, I've been watching you for a whole year. I'd love for you to come over and play for us. Right. You um, unpack so much in what you uh, just said. Okay. So um, right, right at the end, what you reminded me of this uh, gentleman in town, his name is Master Pack. He's a Korean karate teacher. He's very famous here. Um, in Northeast Florida in terms of training hundreds and thousands of kids, not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds and thousands of kids. And, and what his, one of his things was, is anybody can win. I'll teach you how to lose gracefully and with honor. And, and so, but during what you were talking about is here, here was his goal to play professional basketball. Right. And, but along the way, like he, he, at the end, he sought advice. Now, I think when you're, when you're facing adversity, seeking advice is important. And sometimes the best advice you give comes as free advice, but it's hard to take free advice. Like you giving your daughter and her friends advice. Right, right, right. Um, it, well, that's free advice, right? What, what is free, what's the value of free advice? So a lot of times paying for advice from a, somebody with experience is a better methodology because the value is not in the advice. Sometimes the, the free advice is better than the paid advice, but yet you don't always take that free advice w because it didn't cost you anything. There was no cost to it. So you don't right. put the right. Yeah, you pay for a personal trainer, you're gonna show up for the personal trainer, right? Absolutely. You pay for the professional advice, 
you're going to show up. You pay for a lawyer, you're going to show up. You pay for the CPA, you're going to show up. You pay for the doctor, you're going to show up. You know? Yeah, and that's why a lot of times, I think you talk about paying for the doctor. I think one of the struggles with our healthcare system is that people don't, they want the, the smallest copay. When in, when in reality, um, there's a, more and more doctors today who are saying, we're, we're going to just uh, be a general physician and you just pay us. We, we're not going to take insurance. And their lives that, as doctors are better because they don't, and they're, it's, it's becoming a thing now. More and more doctors. And, and so their adversity was dealing with insurance companies. And so they, I mean, it sounds funny, but and, and so they're moving into more a generalized practice. So they, they're not doing the surgeries and the things, but, but yet they're happier because they're not paying you know, 15 people in the office just to try to deal with insurance companies. It's well, part of his message, I'll go back to the basketball, which reminds me what also what you said, was to detach yourself from the end result. If the goal is to play, play NBA basketball, but I'm going to detach myself from the end result because it may not happen the way I want it to happen. It might not, and it didn't happen the way he wanted it to happen. He coached another kid, he gave a story of a basketball player, uh, sophomore in college they lose in the ncaa tournament and he's he's a sophomore he's like i quit this stinks i never want to do it again and and the, his junior year they actually win the national championship this was actually just recently um and the, and the idea was it didn't look like he thought he thought you're going to win you know two or three national championships or he thought you're going to win it the first time you got into the tournament right how many times have we heard overcoming adversity where uh, i'm a big tennis fan right so I, need to see the kids get into the quarterfinals. This is their first quarterfinal and how do they handle the pressure? And then, okay, now we got to get to the semifinals. How do they get to a semifinal before they can get, oh, this is your final, uh, your first final in a major, right? You do that for the tennis, you do that for the golf, you know, their first time in the final group of a major in golf and how many of those kids, you know, collapse or can't handle the pressure, but it's a learning experience. It's overcoming adversity. Uh, um, they're talking about Ricky Fowler and he hadn't won any majors. He won the PGA year, year event uh, down there in the players, which is kind of the fifth major. And it's but certainly you win the most amount of money. So the end result was he didn't win his major, but he, he right. won the most amount of one. And, you know, you talk about detaching yourself from the end result. Well, think about how many college football teams over history have gone undefeated yet. They weren't given the national championship. So, you know, you think if we go undefeated, we'll be the national champion. You think that at the beginning of the season, but you're not totally in control of the end result. And so sometimes you, in order to, to get there, they had to detach themselves. The end result they probably wanted was a national championship. But I mean, and it's happened a lot. There's a lot of football, even UCF where my daughter's graduating this month, they were, they went undefeated and they, they kept saying they were the national champion. And I'm like, first of all, you're not even in the division to talk about that. But, but again, they were too connected to the end result. They, they felt like they should be the national champion because they were undefeated. Well, that's not the only requirement. You still have to be the best team in the, in, you know, in college football to be that. So sometimes the end result is out of, out of reach. The vision is still the same. It's about winning, right? I mean, well, we were talking so, so this past weekend in several colleges, I know Alabama and I know Georgia had their G game. So it's, you know, the inter scrimmage. And, and so during the commentators for the Georgia game, they were talking about how Georgia has turned in, uh, you know, whatever. I'm a Georgia guy, right? So it's running back university. But, but what they're talking about is running backs by committee. If your goal is to go to the NFL, 
don't you want to be in a backfield where there are two or three backs that you can share the job? So then when you get to the NFL, you're, you're fresh legs, right? So we had Chubb that came through and uh, we have all these guys that come through and there's two or three of them in the backfield. And so they might not win the Heisman, right? Because they're not putting up those huge numbers, but they're also, there's two of them, three of them, and they're, and they're sharing the yardage. They're all getting their, 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 their reps in, but they're not wearing themselves out and decreasing the chance of injury. And anyway, I thought that was in Your end results get the NFL. This might be the place to come. Running back university where we have two or three guys in the background. You won't win a Heisman. You might not win a Heisman trophy, but you'll get the attention because we're, you know, a top 10 team and division one, and then you'll get to the NFL. So that's kind of how they're starting to pitch that in recruiting apparently. So it sounds like sometimes that adversity actually creates humility because or opportunity. Yeah, opportunity. But if if your goal is like you get out of high school and you're going to go into college and I'm going to be the greatest and I'm, you know, a lot of people think that way now, you know, I mean, it's very uh, self, self-centered, I guess you could say. And, and if you're in your head, you want to be the star player in your college and you're not willing to share with two other players and then the coach advice, he says, look, if you come here, there's a better chance you go on to, to, on to, to professional sports because you're, um, you'll be, you'll have somebody who could spell you and you won't like get beat up, you know, uh, like other teams, you may not be the star, but you'll be one of three stars. Um, well, that takes some humility to say, you know what, you're right. I need to step back. So I'm not the only star. And sometimes that's what makes you the stars that humility that brings you back down. And, and yeah, that's We've talked about overcoming adversity. And, and one of the great exercises is, you know, you know, I've heard this several times, you know, there, there's no, as long as you learn, you can't fail. You know, if something doesn't work out, you learn how not to do it 2000 ways, not to make the light bulb. Um, and so overcoming adversity, um, every time that you encounter a problem, you know, I think, I think it's Dan Sullivan and called uh, experience transformer. I, I kind of break it down and you look at something and what worked and what didn't work and how can we do better? I remember doing this with my kids, you know, if they make a bad grade on a test, you know, what didn't work, you know, what did work? I did this, this, and this, what didn't work? Well, obviously I didn't, you know, study enough, proper enough. Okay. If you were going to go back and do it again, how would you have done that better? And so from that, you're creating your own plan from adversity, right? Here's, here's a test I didn't do well. Here's a client that I didn't get. You know, what worked with getting, trying to get the client or customer, what didn't work. Okay. What's the plan that I could come up with? Uh, there's a lot of sales techniques that talks about knowing the top three, the top five, the top 10 um, uh, <clears throat> obstacles you have to overcome, right? They're gonna, it's going to be price. It's going to be delivery. It's going to be, and, and then you need to have your anecdotal answer ready for whichever one you're prepping, right? So that leads into this overcoming adversity. I just had a good meeting with one of my clients this morning and um, you know, COVID is adversity, right? COVID is adversity for, for so many people, but but we've all learned lessons from it. So that would be the example. Overcoming adversity is about drawing what the lessons, what worked, what didn't work, and what can you do better now going forward? Now going forward in your day-to-day business and now going forward if we ever had an issue like this again. And I've brought this up here before. Um, these guys got into scheduling, right? Appointment only, right? Uh, one's a gym membership. It's appointment only. You got to make an appointment to go there. Uh, another is a retail. You got to make an appointment to go there. But what that allowed was two benefits on that. One would be they get to staff their uh, business more efficiently. 
you know, typically in a retail, you staff for the, for the peaks, right? It's, I don't want the drive through to wait 30 minutes. I don't want there to be a line. People can't buy their jewelry, their weight to use the gym equipment, right? So when you schedule it, now you know how much staff you need, or how much equipment you need. That's a great advantage because now you get to run it more efficiently. But the second part about that is you get more um, focus and attention, right? If you have to make an appointment to go uh, into a retail jewelry store, right? If I'm a sales guy in the retail jewelry store, I'm going to think about Dave's coming in. What do I know about Dave? What might be interesting to Dave? What did he mention that he was interested in? And what else can I introduce him to? The cross sells and the upsells and the down sells, right? Because now I'm concentrated. I know you're coming in at one o'clock. I get to focus on you and how much value I can add. So yeah. their benefits are, these are two business owners that might end up running their shop appointment only from here on out both on the cost savings opportunity, but also on the more targeted, focused upsell, downsell, cross-sell. So, so there are opportunities that have come out of this adversity of COVID for them. And you know, you talk about the five follow-up calls before somebody makes a buying decision. You know, sometimes the sixth follow-up call is the one you make after you didn't get the sale and it's back to that same client and you ask, what, what did you, what made you go with XYZ? And they'll tell you, in many cases they will. And, and first of all, it elevates your credibility with them, but it really teaches you a lot of times it's not price. A lot of times people think it's, I didn't get it because my price was too high. And they're like, no, we just felt this other company had this, this, and this. And, and in your head, you may go on. Yeah, but we have that, but that's not what we were portraying in our presentation or message. We were not portraying the right message that they wanted to hear. Right. So you're exactly right. When you lose, when you don't get the customer figure out what worked or what didn't work and what areas you could do for improvement. But part of that is detachment from the result, right? So if you know it takes five phone calls to get a sale, don't worry about the other four no's, right? Every no is a yes. I've seen that from sales trainers before. Every no is a yes, because you know every fifth call or every 10th call, you're going to get a yes. So then every no is just a stepping stone to your next yes, right? So adversity is really what you kind of make of it, right? It's, it's, what was that obstacle and what did you learn from it? What worked, what didn't work and, and what's the plan going forward? So, and I do, I do believe that. Okay, so everything breaks down to, you have this vision or this goal and no matter what that is, whether it's business, whether it's a, a athletic uh, award or, or whatever, but you have this vision and this goal that you're trying to get to. And then you commit to achieving that. And along the way, you're gonna create this plan or this blueprint and, and so, you've done all that, but it boils down to that second thing, which is the commitment to overcome these adversities to get to the vision, to, to the goal. And along the way, we've already said it, you've got to seek some advice. And it's usually somebody, like if you're going to go through a minefield, follow somebody, and preferably somebody who's been through it. And, and that advice sometimes is the hardest advice to take, because usually you're seeking the advice when you're facing the biggest obstacle. And, and that's where fear comes in. Um, I've, I've, I mean, I coach clients and, I've, I've, and, and one of the, the, it seems a lot, a lot of the times when they come to you and they're looking at your fee or whatever, they're going, yeah, but I'm afraid if it doesn't work. That's where the fear, what if it doesn't work? Well, that's what you were talking about before. You've got to be willing to fall on your face and do things if the, if the blueprint 
it, your vision is right and your blueprint is right and you make that commitment and you don't get there, again, detaching yourself from the end result is I know what the vision is, but I don't know every step in the blueprint. And I got to be willing to change. That's the green light, red light, yellow light that Stuart Sink used. There's so many success principles in that, that it, it's not, look, it's really hard, but it's also really easy at the same time. It's just following, continuing like Warren Buffett, continuing on sticking with your blueprint, with your plan. You know, they, uh, what is it? The, uh, if, you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But if you create a plan, you got to understand that plan is not cast in stone. You're going to hit these obstacles. Modify it, adjust it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Constantly. Yeah. And, that, and that is, you know, you, you know, overcoming the adversity is, is, you know, like we talked about mindset last week, you know, um, it's part of the main difference, right? That's, that's, how do you, how do you, how did you get your job? How did you make your first sale? How did you, you know, get your first promotion? How did you make the leap to go out on your own? All those are, doesn't come easy. It's, it's, there are obstacles in the way. And, and I ask my entrepreneurs over the, all the time, you know, did you know you're going to end up being an, you know, an engineer building airplane parts, uh, selling lights, uh, selling jewelry, uh, owning a gym, right? Being a dentist. Well, those guys kind of know it because they got a pre-plan. Dentist lawyers had a pre-plan, but they may not know what specialty they were going to be in, right? Sure. And, and so a lot of that is the you look at your own life and there probably was some bumps in the road. It wasn't a smooth ride for you to get there. And it's, and it's good to realize that you've probably overcome adversity in the past, right? That you're a business owner listening to this show. You've probably overcome adversity. Heck, we all went through the, you know, eight, nine, 10 recession, right? Talk about adversity. Gosh, that was a hundred year flood. We all came through that. Um, and, 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 and we're okay on the other side, right? This was a uh, awkward recession, let's call it, or pullback, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and again, some firms are doing well, some practices are not doing well, but again, what worked, what didn't work, and what can we do going forward? How do we overcome the adversity? Because it's it's never a smooth ride, right? It's never, you're on a diet. It's never, oh yeah, dude, I know I exercise, eat less and exercise. You always fall off the diet. You always miss a day of exercise. You always cheat on the diet or whatever, right? But you got to get back on the horse and get back on the exercise and diet plan again, even though you fell off the horse, right? That's the same. Those are the adjustments you make those. It's hilarious how we make that, you know, adjustment. People, everybody knows that about dieting, but people don't even make that correlation to, to business, right? Yeah, of course. The adversity. All right, well, this is a really good one. So overcoming adversity as an entrepreneur, you know it's going to happen. Plan for it to happen. What's your plan when it does happen, right? One of the things we talked about is, is the, the, the knowing that it takes multiple times to get a call, Knowing that, that you're going to have adversity, one of the best things is, you know, look back what worked, what didn't work. How would I do it better next time? That's a great way to learn from any of the adversity. Adversity generates opportunities, right? So now there are different ways you might be able to run your business more efficiently. You know, we talked about less real estate. Maybe people will own, you know, use less of their real estate because people can have remote works. Maybe you can run your business from a remote location so you can have more vacation and more time off. So they're definitely... Uh, benefits to overcoming adversity, but knowing that adversity is just part of the equation. There, there is no free lunch. There is no smooth ride. There are always ups and downs for everybody, for everybody, for anybody. For Ted Turner, I used to do his biography, the guy that does the Virgin Airways. He's, he's, he hadn't been all, you know, even Warren Buffett wasn't anybody famous until he's in his late fifties um, and all that kind of stuff. So 
Overcoming adversity is a big deal. You and I talk about um, what do you need to be successful? Three things, commitment, a roadmap, and a support system, right? You and I have a mastermind group uh, and a roadmap to get people to where they want to be. You need, we need their commitment to do that. Um, our irresistible offer right now, so take us up on this. Our irresistible offer, we can find any business owner $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 in their business without spending a dollar more on advertising or marketing. We call that a profit acceleration session. So if you want a profit acceleration session and or are interested in our mastermind group because we've got the roadmap and the support system, reach out to us. I'm Matt at ProfitabilityMD.com and Dave at ProfitabilityMD.com. We're on our YouTube channel, ProfitabilityMT, over at YouTube. And then obviously this podcast and it has its own website, ProfitabilityMD.com as well. But this is awesome. Overcoming adversity is something we encounter every day. And, and you and I see it every day and you and I experience it. I mean, our own journeys are, are, are ups and downs. So overcoming adversity is a, knowing that exists is, is the first part of it, right? That's right. And it's, it's, we talked about traits of a successful entrepreneurs, yeah, successful right. entrepreneurs overcome adversity and, but they do seek advice. And if you, if you need, if you're struggling right now at all with profitability in your business, reach out to us and uh, we'd love to help you get past it. Yeah. Great show. Great. Have a great one. Take care.